Hey guys, it's Fo. Welcome to the Girl Talk with Fo podcast, where I talk faith, finances, and business, and I teach you how to dump debt, build bank, and create the life you want. Let's talk. Hello, 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 guys, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. How are you doing today? Guys, today's podcast episode is an episode that I have been promising for a while. I am going to be talking to a CPA, and we're going to be talking about taxes, because guess what? It's about that time here in the U.S. So I have a special guest, Atia Brown, who is a CPA and a certified financial educator instructor. So she's going to be talking all about how to get your finances and your documents together for the new tax laws and how they will apply to you for this tax year. So I met Atia on Instagram. Of course, guys. Of course, Instagram is a networking tool. So if you are a business owner, you need to be leveraging it. So I met Atia on Instagram, reached out to her, and she was more than happy to come on to talk about the new tax law and how it's going to impact everyone this year as you're filing your taxes. So we're going to jump right into Atia's bio and get into this very interesting conversation. Atia Brown is a CPA, CA, and a certified financial educator instructor. She has over 14 years of experience in the accounting finance world. She attended the John Molson School of Business in Montreal, Canada for both undergrad and graduate studies. She finished top five in her graduating class before completing the chartered accountancy examination to become a CPA, CA. She is the creator of The Savvy Accountant, where she specializes in helping individuals in the real estate industry live financially savvy. She is their go-to accountant and tax advisor. Atia has recently launched a podcast called Live Financially Savvy, where she facilitates the connection between people doing amazing things in the finance world to people who want to learn how to create wealth. Without further ado, listen in as I have Girl Talk with Atia Brown. So welcome to the podcast, Atia. How are you doing this morning? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you because I wanted to talk to someone about taxes. Oh my gosh, there's a lot going on. So I had to reach out to get you on here to share some of your expertise. And we were talking before I hit record. You actually moved here from Canada. So please tell me, like, do you regret moving from Canada with all the craziness that's going on in the U.S. right now? <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, so I am C- Canadian. I'm first generation, born to Caribbean parents, Jamaican and Trini parents. And so I get that question a lot. I don't regret it because this is where my base is. This is where we got married. We had our kids here. So everything is here. What I miss about Montreal is it's a beautiful, beautiful city and all that stuff, but I miss my family. If I could uproot everybody and put them where I am, I would be extremely happy, but I don't necessarily want to move back because everything I've done as an adult in my career, everything like that, it's always been here. So this is kind of where I'm, I feel more comfortable and where my roots are kind of. I had to ask the question. I know it's not tax related, but I had to ask that considering the fact that a lot of people from the U.S. are like, I'm moving to Canada. It's too much craziness going on. So, And I do agree. Like, it's pretty crazy. It's a crazy time. And for a lot of us, this is the first time we're experiencing this. If you're a millennial, you kind of had, like, 
dealing with the tax re reform. This is the first time it's happened in your lifetime. The whole president terms last for pretty long. So my daughter was actually saying the other day, she really only knew President Obama. And I didn't, it didn't click to me like, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> you wouldn't have known any other president. So for the younger generations, this is a whole new change that they're just not used to yet. Right. So my husband and I are preparing our taxes right now. And one of the big shockers for us, and I think this was, it's not just us, other people impacted by it. In fact, there was an article, I can't remember what news source, but there was an article talking about like all the rants that were going on on Twitter about people who were either owing taxes now because of the tax law changes or um, they like didn't get enough taken out of their, or because they did not get enough taken out of their paycheck. So we're kind of like, oh, we'll see what happens with us, but it's a lot of changes going on that's impacting a lot of people. So it's definitely worth talking about. Yep, definitely, I agree. So can you give us a high level overview of some of the major tax changes that we should be aware of? Yeah, so there is definitely a lot of, topics that were covered, that were changed, that were amended, and a lot that were repealed. So in terms of personal tax returns or, you know, family and stuff like that, not talking business, there are actually, there's something called itemized deductions and standardized deductions. And so it's basically, to explain it simply, it's basically, if you want to do it the easy way, they gave you the standard deduction, which was traditionally for an individual, it was about 6300 For a couple, a married couple, it was 12700 And if you were head of household, it was about 9300 And so you would just take that deduction and you wouldn't have to worry about itemizing your items. So stuff like taxes, your insurance, your interest and all that stuff, you wouldn't be worried about all the itemized items and you would take the standard deduction. So what they did with this new tax reform is they increased that standardized deduction because the premise is that they want it to be more simplified and they want people to take the standard deduction instead of itemizing. And so they wanted to give you an incentive to do this. So they basically doubled everything. And so now if you're single or married final separately, you're going to have a $12,000 standard deduction and you're going to have a $24,000 deduction if you're married filing joint. And if you're head of household, you're going to have $18,000. So they basically doubled what it was in order to incentivize people to take the standard deduction versus the itemized deduction. And so that's a main, a big change that happened and that I think they're expecting more people to do that. And so they were expecting people to be excited about that. Um, Another one that they did was child tax credits. So it was $1,000, and this is a credit that you get. So I'm going to, I guess, talk about deductions versus credits a little bit later on. But this child tax credit was $1,000, and it was phased out when you hit income levels of 75000 to 110000 depending on if you were single or married. But now they doubled that as well. And so that's 2000 and it's refundable, most of it is refundable. So what that means is that if you, after you do all your income and all, you get everything in, if you apply that tax credit and you, it gives you a negative number showing, saying that you're gonna get a refund, you actually can get a refund based on that credit for most of that $2,000. So that's a pretty good deal. And the phase out for that has increased dramatically to 200,000 and 400,000 compared to the 75 and 110 that I said before. So those are two main, two big changes for individuals dealing and then if they have kids. Um, another big change that deals with if you did itemize before is like your, your state local tax currently been capped at 10,000. So 
what that means is basically you were able to itemize what you paid for state taxes, local taxes, and like property taxes. So we came from, we moved to Florida from Jersey, which is one of the highest property tax states. And so if your property taxes were $18,000, you were able to deduct that $18,000 previously, but now it's capped at $10,000 across the board for that section. So you're only gonna be able to deduct 10,000, regardless of if you paid 18,000 for property and 12,000 for state taxes, let's say. So that's gonna be a major hit to people who actually did itemize. And so that's something that people need to be aware of because that decrease, like those numbers that I just used in as an example, that decrease doesn't make up for the double that they gave you in the standardized deduction. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I'm raising my hand as one of those people who has been <laughs> impacted by it, which is why I'm saying it's probably a lot of people who are who've itemized like we have in the past and are probably upset right now because we pay property taxes, we paid state taxes, and to now cap us, uh, it makes a huge exactly. difference. It does, and and I think initially people probably looked at it as ten thousand each or something, and and so they didn't realize the impact that it would have if they were itemizing before. But it's a pretty big impact, and I know for us, um, God would have it that we moved to Florida, so our property taxes aren't as steep as Jersey by no means. But if we were still in Jersey, this would definitely have affected us because it's that's huge. Like Jersey property taxes alone are a lot of money. Jersey, California, New York, like those states have high property taxes. And so, so that, that I, I think that's a big change that people need to be aware of. Um, another change that happened that some people might be happy with and some might not be, it deals with the Affordable Care Act. So like some people call it Obamacare, which I'm like, maybe we should talk, call these Trump taxes since he created this reform. <laughs> But so Obamacare, it used to have a penalty if if you didn't have the mandate in place and when you were filing your taxes, you would have to pay a penalty. And this was basically to get people to actually go out to the market and to get like the insurance that they needed, the medical insurance that they needed. And this was to penalize them if they didn't. And so that was actually repealed. So you don't have that penalty anymore um, with the new ta- with the new tax reform. So if that was your case before, that would be a positive change for you. Yeah, mortgage interest, the deduction for that was was reduced to $750,000 currently. And it used to be 1 million. So I know that doesn't affect a lot of people, but it might if your mortgage interest that you pay is part of that cap. So that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, what kind of house do you have? I mean, hey, I guess they made the law. So it affects someone somewhere. Exactly. And And I keep telling people that these laws are created by people, by specific people, and they're not haphazard, right? I'm pretty sure they're looking at certain situations when they create these laws because it's going to benefit a certain group of people. And that's just what it is. And so when when all the tax reform came out and everybody was like up in heaves and everybody was, some people were really excited because the changes seem like they're going to be beneficial on paper. I want people to understand that a lot has changed in the corporate world too, and we can get into that later, but a lot has changed in the corporate world and those changes are permanent. The changes that affect individuals, they sunset in 2025. So I'm not sure if people are realizing that because the people that are in a great position and, every, and everything is exciting for them, 
these actually, these changes are gonna stop in 2025. So that's another thing that they need to take into consideration when they're planning and they're talking to their accountant or their tax repairs. These changes aren't forever on the individual side. Okay, so that's important to note. So let's talk about, um, you, you mentioned corporate and I'm imagining corporate taxes, but let's talk about um, corporate in the sense of um, as an employee. So one of the things that I teach my audience is to make sure that they select the right withholding for their situation. So, uh, and oftentimes I get a question like, how do I know? And for me, it's just been a matter of let's play around with it till we get the right, the right <laughs> number. But what's an easy, more accurate way of knowing which withholding to select to ensure that they're not paying too much in taxes? That's a great question. And so I think that the best thing to do is yes, to play around with it. But in order to make an educated guess, you have to realize that when you actually go to your job, your HR department, and you fill out those withholdings, you're just seeing the change on your paycheck. You're not fully seeing what it's going to, how it's going to impact your tax return, unless you're taking that paycheck and like extrapolating it and then figuring out what you're going to be paying. Because a lot of people, you know, some people like numbers and they might do that. But for the average employee, they just see that their paycheck amount increases or decreases based on what they do. And they don't really know what that means when it comes to tax time. So what that is, is you basically want to make sure you're sending the government enough money throughout the year so that when it comes time to tax time and you have to actually do your final tax bill and you want to make sure that you're not underpaying them. So the withholding tax is your employer's way of sending this for you. So the government actually likes to get their money throughout the whole year because they have things to pay, like there's expenses, roads, all these things need to be paid throughout the year. So they can't just wait till tax time to get all this money. So the withholding taxes are meant to send so that it normalizes what you need to send the government throughout the year. So when you go and you fill out that W-4 and you want to make sure that you're doing the right exemptions, the best thing to do, I don't know if a lot of people realize, but irs.gov has a calculator for withholding calculation estimates. And so you go to irs.gov and you take, I, I suggest that you take your last few pay stubs if they differ. Like if you're an employee that gets the same amount all the time, you can take your last pay stub, take your last tax return, and it's going to ask you, basically, it's a calculator. You're going to put everything, all the information you need to put in, and it's going to give you an estimate of what you should be withholding so that the next year, when you go to your job and you go and you fill out your ex exemptions, you know exactly what you should be putting as opposed to just guessing. Because I know back in the day, a lot of people are guilty of this. I know I was one of them back in the day when I first started working. I would want the government, I would want them to take as much as they could and I would just get my check and that would just be what I would work with. And then come time, tax time, I would get a huge refund and I would be all excited until I realized what that actually meant. And what that means when you get a huge refund consistently from the government every time you file your taxes, that means that you have been sending them too much money for your withholdings throughout the year, they've been holding that money, interest-free, mind you, and they're just giving it back to you. This is not, they're not giving you something, like this is not an extra thing. This is your money that they are just returning to you because you gave them too much. And so what you want to do when you want to start focusing on your finances, you want to ensure that you're keeping as much of your money as you can so that you can do what you need to do with it. Because if you can take that huge return over the course of the year and you're saving it in an online savings account, let's say, you can actually be getting interest of 2.25. Um, I think they're at 2.25 or a little bit higher for some of them. 
And you can be earning money on your own money as opposed to the government holding it. They're getting interest on it because you better believe that they're in, they're putting your money that you send to them and they're going to be gaining interest on it and just giving you back your money. So I think that people, if they're getting huge refunds consistently, they need to basically, after this tax year, go to the irs.gov, get that calculator and figure out what they should be sending in and adjust accordingly. You are a woman after my heart. (laughs) I have been saying that for the longest, like it is not cool to get a tax refund. And I know we live in a culture where, oh, it's tax season, I'm getting my tax refund. But the truth is, if you're getting a refund, you are paying the government too much money. And we're not trying to do that in 2019 and going forward. Get that money, use it to put towards things that you want to do for your own finances, pay off debt, save money. And like Atia said, put it in a a high yield, high APY savings account, online savings account that are like continually skyrocketing when it comes to interest rates. So thank you for saying that. So you said some very, it's a lot of things that are changing. um, And at some point, as individuals, if this is in our profession, we just can't manage it. We don't keep up with all the changes enough to be able to manage this. So at what point in someone's financial journey should they consider hiring an accountant or a tax professional? So for personal and business, I think it differs. Um, you know your situation. So Back in my like back in the day when I was working, I didn't have any kids. I wasn't married. My tax returns were pretty simple, and I was able to do them by myself. I've actually never used those like pop up tax places. I, I I just never had to because of my background. But I think for simple returns, you know, software is software, and so I think they might do. They serve the purpose of getting your taxes done right when your your situation is not complicated. Some people just work, they just have a W-2. It's pretty straightforward on the W-2. So you probably don't need to speak to somebody. But if you do, there are always like accountants and tax professionals that speak to you, set up meetings, and they can review what you've done and let you know, hey, yeah, you did this correctly, or hey, maybe you need to consider this. And that might be for a small fee that's worth investing in. Um, If you're a business, I think that you need to have certain people on your team from the beginning in order to make sure that you're able to grow proficiently. And so I think a lawyer and an accountant are two people that you need to have on your team. And I don't think starting too early is ever wrong. Um, Granted, I do work with money and I do understand that budgets can be a constraint, but I think that that should be one of your budgeted expenses that you are speaking to a professional because like you said this is not everybody's lane of genius and so you want to make sure that you're dotting your i's and crossing your t's as they say and make sure everything's right because like you said there's a lot of changes and maybe before all this tax reform stuff happened you probably could have done a lot because it was done this way for so many years and it was easy to just redid, redo what was done in the previous year. And that was probably a lot of people's situation before this whole upheaval happened with the tax reform. But now that there's so many things, you don't want to miss anything. You don't want to, if you're running a business, you don't want your bottom line impacted because you missed something because you just tried to do it the same way it was done years ago. And so I think if you're in a business, like, you know, your situation, if it's something that you think you might miss, you probably need to speak to somebody and get somebody who's this is what they do to help you so that you can focus on what you do. 
so important because same here before I was married we don't have any kids yet but before I was married before there was a business it was quite simple I think the only time I hired a professional at that point was when I moved states so I had been living in Houston for like a year and a half and then I moved to South Carolina and then when I tried to do it on my own they were trying to charge me taxes for being here for like two days and I'm like yeah. uh nah not <laughs> <laughs> let me get a professional to do this so um that's the only time I've done it but since then we've um had businesses and things get a lot more complicated so um it's definitely something that we are considering and we also actually consult um a CPA so that as we're going through the year doing our, our business, we're making sure that we're doing the right thing. So I definitely agree. It, it may not be in everyone's budget, especially as a business owner. If you're just starting out, it may not be in your budget just yet, but that having an attorney and having a CPA to help you through some of this complicated stuff is for sure necessary at some point in time for you. I agree. And I like to tell people starting out, why don't you try to meet with your CPA at least quarterly? Um, I know I work with my clients on a monthly basis so that I'm basically part of their team. I understand and I handle all of their back end. And so I know what's going on in their big picture. And so I'm able to stay abreast of everything happening, everything, how it affects them. And we're able to get things done in a timely manner. But if you can't do monthly, you could, you could do at least quarterly, because you have to reward, you have to realize that, like we talked about withholding taxes when you're an employee, the government wants his money, well, it's money, <laughs> they want it throughout the year from everybody. So this means that you still have to file quarterly taxes, which are basically the equivalent to withholding taxes per paycheck for an employee. These are stuff that you need to file quarterly when you're in business. And so a lot of people starting out in business, I don't, they might not realize that. So they might just be going on their year, doing their sales, recording their net income and all that stuff. But you actually need to be submitting your quarterly tax filings. And so this is something that if you don't speak to a CPA, you probably won't know. And that might ding you at the end because there are penalties if you owe a certain amount at the end of the year that you weren't sending in money throughout the year. So just these are things that come up. And this is why I recommend if it's not in your budget to have monthly on hand, somebody that deals with your finances, then quarterly is something that you can consider every six months. But you need to do it so that you get in the habit of doing it so that when you do grow, you can increase it to the, to the point that you need it more often. So let's talk about the number one question that I know people want to ask. I know <laughs> it. I know it. I know it. How can we avoid paying taxes? Let's be <laughs> Who wants to pay taxes? I mean, after all, it's questionable if our president has paid taxes. So how can we avoid paying taxes? Yeah. So I always like to start off by saying, I think taxes are necessary. I'm a believer. And if you go back to biblical times, taxes were collected back then. It's needed to run a society, right? Like who's going to pay for the roads? Like these are things that if it was left to be private, we would have like, you know, four highways going the same place because it would be private and whoever built it, they would build it and you would just have to. So we need taxes to survive as a society. But with that said, there are ways to decrease how much taxes you pay because I mean, yeah, we want our bottom line to stay within our family, within how we're going to grow as a family, as a unit. And we want, we need money to do that. So there are two ways that you reduce the taxes you pay and I talked about that a little bit before. So deductions versus credits. Your expenses are considered deductions. So deductions reduce your tax pay, your taxes payable by your marginal tax rate. If you're an individual 
this is going to be what we talked about. You could either be doing your itemized, you can do your standardized deductions. This is what it's going to reduce your bottom number so that you're, it's reducing essentially what you're going to be paying in taxes. Credits, on the other hand, they're more favorable because credits actually impact your taxes payable dollar for dollar. So depending on what credit you're talking about, that's actually reducing your taxes payable. So that's not, so the deductions reduce the num to get to the number that you're going to be calculating your taxes on and credits actually reduce your taxes payable. Yeah, so essentially deductions reduce your taxes payable by your marginal tax rate. So if your tax rate is 30%, every deduction that you every in deduction that you introduce, it's going to reduce your taxes payable by 30% of that $1. And credits, on the other hand, they actually reduce your taxes payable. So if you have a $100 credit, that's actually reducing your taxes payable by $100. So it's good to have both, right? So you It's good to have both. And everybody typically has both, but some people have more than others. So um, if you have children, there's tax credits for children, there's child, child tax credits for for you. If you go to school, there's education tax credits that you need to be aware of, and there's different ones. You typically typically can only use one, so they have different ones for education, and so you would use the best one for your situation, and so basically stuff like that. So um, yeah, so tax deductions and credits, those are the ways that you reduce how much taxes you pay. I do want to just say for one minute, um, if you are a new business starting out, I know that the inclination is to get your taxes as low, like as low as possible so that you can like show a number and you don't want to send taxes to the, the government. But you have to realize that when you're in business, your financial statements are basically what's going to be what people are looking for. So if you want to apply for anything, you don't want your financial statements to show that you're making zero money and you don't want to be applying all of these tax credits, everything so that you actually end up paying zero because then it, it makes it look like you're not a viable business, right? So I try to tell people all the time, like you need to look at your situation and think of your tax strategy in that way because if I'm an individual and I'm going to apply for a loan, they're going to be looking at my W-2s. They're going to be looking at how I could actually pay them back and all this stuff. But if you're a business and your bottom line is showing zero because you've introduced all of these deductions, all of these credits in order to show your bottom line is zero so you don't actually have to pay all these taxes, right? It looks like you don't make any money. So how would you be how would you be a viable candidate to actually apply for these loans? And so these are things that I want people to look at when they're thinking of tax strategies on how to avoid paying taxes. So this is very good information to know. Um, so let me, I want to be clear though with people, I'm not an advocate for you guys not paying taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree with the deal. Like it's necessary to run a society. Like she said, even in biblical times, even when you think about, you guys know that this is a faith-based show. Like you think about um, financing the church, like there are tithes and that's yeah. it in a form taxes when you think about it that way. So, um, so I'm not advocating you not paying taxes, but I do advocate if you can pay a, l a lot less pay a lot less so that you can use that money, like she said, to put towards your family and the goals that you have for your family and building generational wealth and all those all those great things. So um, some important things that you mentioned, which brings me to my uh, this point that 
there is so much stuff we as individuals don't know. Like, I wouldn't think that necessarily putting all these deductions and credits towards your taxes could be a bad thing. When you look at the whole financial picture and what you're trying to accomplish, that may not be the best route that you want to take. So very, very good advice and reason, even more reason to see a professional um, to understand some of these things that you wouldn't know otherwise. So great tips again. Thank you. <laughs> so what resources can you recommend to my audience to help them better prepare and understand taxes? So um, there are a few ways you can go. If you want to go, you know, the DIY way, IRS.gov, that website is actually put in place by the government to give you as much information as you need in order to get informed on these things. And so the, the website is a really great website. A lot of people don't go to it because I mean, it's the IRS website. Who wants to visit that website? <laughs> but it has a lot of free resources. It has a lot of information up there. So if you want to do it yourself and get in the know yourself, just visit there. There's search boxes, there's topics. Like it's a lot of information and they've revamped it over the years. I don't think it, it used to be as robust as is like it used to be not robust at all and it was like very archaic but it's a pretty great website now for resources but like I said before make an appointment with a CPA we are here to help you and whether you work with us or not I think it's to get the information out there and so I know for myself I meet with people like you get you know you get leads that turn into prospects that turn into clients and not everybody is going to become your client that doesn't mean that i can't have an informed conversation with somebody if they call me with a specific question and i'm able to help them so speak to professionals that's what we are here for we actually went to school we did these exams so we have this information and it's to get the information out there and i think a lot of people I don't know if a lot of people are apprehensive because they don't know the information, so they don't feel like asking because they think that it might be a dumb question, but I don't think that's true. When you go to the doctor, you're encouraged to ask questions. You didn't get the schooling they got, so you need to just tell them what's going on, and they will help you through the situation, and I think the same thing is with tax professionals and CPAs. You don't know this, these things, so you just need to talk to us and get in the know. You don't know until you ask, guys. And I have, we have a CPA that we consult. I've consulted a CPA in the past. It's so helpful. It is so helpful. Taxes can be so complicated. Finances can be complicated. Well, I think personal finances can be made simple, but there are aspects of it that can be complicated. And so it takes really nothing of you to go ask someone who has the answers. Like we have to get in the habit of investing in things that will make uh, our lives better and our lives easier and leveraging other people who have the knowledge that we don't have. So definitely reach out to a tax professional, preferably a Tia, duh. <laughs> <laughs> so where can my audience connect with you, speaking of which? Yeah, so I'm on social media as the Savvy Accountant. So Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, you can search Atia the Savvy Accountant. Um, my tag lines are just the savvy accountant. Um, you can visit my website at the savvy accountant.co and yeah, you guys can reach me there. All right, guys, of course, I'm going to have her information in the show notes. So you want to make sure you head on over to the website to check that out. Atia, thank you so much for stopping in and sharing your knowledge about taxes because it's getting real in this tax season. It really <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. 
And of course, if anyone has any questions, you guys can reach out and contact Katia and use her services. This is part of the reason why I have these people on the podcast who are professionals at, the, at what they do. I want them to bring information, but also guys leverage their services and their expertise. Like use it. That's all I'm going <laughs> to say about that. Thank you so much, Katia. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys, that's it for this episode of the podcast. If you like what you heard, head on over to girltalkwithfo.com forward slash podcast to sign up to be a part of our VIP squad. You'll get episodes delivered directly to your inbox. Don't forget to follow me on social media. I am at Girl Talk with Fo on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. If you like the show, make sure you head on over to Apple iTunes to give me a five-star rating and review. I will certainly appreciate it. Until next time, guys, I'll talk to you in the next episode.